Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm sorry. I'm not very fluent and vague. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 608, Collision Course Part 1, is sponsored by Shrike Repellent. Call it what you want. Pete, over on our pop culture podcast feed, we're talking Jessica Jones. We've got some Star Wars to discuss in a little over a week. San Diego Comic-Con is on the horizon. These are the best of times. They are. And between S.H.I.E.L.D., between Jessica Jones, between a little movie called Spider-Man Far From Home, Matt, Fantastic Geek, firmly planting our flag in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, Pete, let's not dilly-dally. Let's hop into this episode. When we catch you up on what went down, the teaser, uh, spaceship, whole bunch of activity here, but we're told that it's not going to work, Matt. This bucket of bolts is not going to survive a jump, but Fitz thinks the ship is solid. He says... The odds are even. Some of the wide shots here, a reminder that this is almost certainly a redress of the rock cracking room from last season. Not a criticism. That's that's the TV biz there. Watch the watch the bouncing ball of the weird uh, uh, chair from Worf's quarters that makes its way through Star Trek's, etc. So no big deal there. But back to this ship, Pete. Yes, the odds are even, maybe at best. Uh, Mr. Boyle, a.k.a. Mr. Mustachio, he is not optimistic in all this and gets kicked off from the bridge. But Pete Fitz, ready to take that gamble to make the next jump, the jump home. Yes, they head down the stairs. They see the moon. The earth comes into view. They are home. After the title card, Sarge wants them to stop wasting his time or they will lose his planet so they strike a deal matt or at least there are plans to so that sarge can slay the beast and just in case we lost track of the overarching story here there's some exposition explaining how the shrike threat can grow hosts convening ahead of the beast arriving sarge ultimately does get his keys and his crew Asterisk on the crew, May and Quake are joining him in exchange for one of Sarge's crew. That's to take one with him. That's what's called, Pete, an insurance policy in the biz. And once the mission is over, uh, Mac wants an unvague conversation about Sarge's origins. Yes, he picks Snowflake. He could have used Pax, however, with the device that he has uses sonic waves or something, whatever, some kind of shrike repellent. Okay. Uh, Daisy is a hacker. That means she hacks limbs, right? Uh, not quite. She's an expert of computers. Uh, side note, Pete, maybe the reason snow was taken and not Pax is because the story needed Deke to canoodle with someone and i don't think pax is of deke's uh fancy but i digress uh bleep bloop or rather no bleep no bloop the shrike repellent box isn't working if only they had pax 
if only they had someone else who could fix it. But Deke isn't intent on going anywhere with the evil Coulson twin. Do you see what they did there, Matt? Pete, such hilarity. Maybe one day there will be a sibling of a Coulson twin that can be in Marvel movies with the snake eating its tail. Uh, we get a little reminder from Deke that he doesn't want to jump on into this mission, even though last episode he was told, now nah, you need to help on the missions. Uh, he wants to go back to his company, his board of directors, his masseuse, his shaman. Can't Mac cut him loose? The answer is no. Yeah, uh, and he negotiates here up from a 2% stake in the company all the way to 10 Otherwise, he will show Daisy what he saw in his pervy little world. Oh, yeah, and he's got to stop using shield tech. Seems like somebody is trying to establish a, an end-of-season arc or something for Deke. Why can't Deke just join the team and stay there? But Pete, for now, Deke is going on this mission. He's going, uh, going to fix that Shrike repellent on the rig. Uh, it's at about this point that snow creeps up on him. She really wants to see his soul spill out. Sarge pulls her off. Whew. Pete, I thought that was going to get violent. Or turns out they're setting up false expectations for a chuckle later. Yes. Um, Sarge doing his best Tony Stark impersonation here refers to May as smiles. Uh, he wants Daisy up front. And then we're told about a 17-hour, 53-minute ETA here. Uh, Davis is getting Zephyr 1 ready, and uh, the Fitzsimmons mission will have to wait. Mac needs Yo-Yo by his side if a beast is truly coming. Cut to Izel humming over something. Oh my god, it's a Shrike. Act break, then we get baddies being moved. The scene purposefully starting out a little confusing, but it's Pax who gets chained to the Zephyr One Bay while Jacko is in the secure box. Pete, he's breathing his proper fumes. It might look like vape to us. And indeed, Pete, I suspect that for the production, they had the actor breathing, you know, vaped water vapor kind of stuff, but very, very effective use here. Pete, nay. Perhaps the only effective use of a vape pipe whistle thing uh, ever? Indeed. Um, Daisy asks Sarge if it bothers him. He has the exact same DNA as uh, Coulson. What does that mean? It doesn't matter. It is interesting, Pete, in 2019 it was like when he didn't know what dna was it was like wait how do you explain that i'm glad the show said it's the same molecular foundation that you're made of because we're all just so used to kind of understanding what dna is that the explanation was one that you know 20 years ago it would have been well pete 20 years ago they made a whole show about people use dna to fight bad guys etc but i digress uh pete i almost called him colson side note much was made of some sort of article written or video that called him Colson because everybody is in charge of brand management at every level and can't make mistakes. But anyhow, Pete Sarge is not going to talk about his past. He's going to talk about it at a later point. Not in this episode though. Uh, he's not going to lose focus. Let's stay on task. The monster is coming. She's trouble. Pete, does she have a name? 
Izel. He also talks about the uh, Dialas, which we cut to um, Izel explaining here. They're made of stone. These are the monoliths. Uh, took out the Chronicom planet. They originated on her planet. He, Matt, Sarge, worked on her crew at one point uh, and is intent on destroying their Fitzsimmons world. Pete, I don't know who to believe anymore. Is Izel the baddie? Is it Sarge? My goodness, we're heading towards a... A, a, an action-packed last four or five episodes of the season, uh, particularly as we're getting alternate news here. Uh, I don't mean to say that too cheekily, but that is indeed what we're getting. Uh, bottom line is, she notes that the artifacts were built to bring life together, which is an important difference. With that, we cut to Zephyr 1 getting ready to launch. Mac's not used to going up to giants like big man Jacko. Still, Mac wonders if there isn't part of the plan that Sarge hasn't shared. Pete, I think there is. Yeah, uh, he hasn't revealed the plan here. And then we get to talk of Benson between Mac and Yo-Yo. Benson does such a great job in this episode, doesn't he, Pete? (laughs) He does. What with his power of invisibility and exposition simultaneously. Um, they hope he could shed some light cut to guy with space hallucinogenic puffs. Yes. The nummy munch rooms. See what I did there, Pete. Uh, I call him in, in my notes, Mr. Mechanic. I know he gets called Mr. Toad later. Uh, it, our time with him certainly was a wild ride, but he's not gone yet. He is cornered by some of Izel's crew than Izel herself. Pete, that crew looking a little zombified. She's got a pretty shrike. Is it a pet? No, into Mr. Mechanic's mouth it goes. And that, Pete, is when we know that Izel is bad because we get the turned Dutch angle of the camera to end the act. Act three, the truck speeds on here. Deke is asleep. Snow is checking out his breathing here. Uh, meanwhile, Daisy and May are discussing what happened with Coulson. He died, May. We buried him. This is some kind of sick cosmic joke. But May thinks that there's a part of her that feels she can trust him. Is it because he wears Coulson's face? But hey, Benson and his research, because in this episode, he's just so pivotal. These two powerful women also ask questions that we, the audience, have wondered. Who's Izzel? How does she hold, hold all this power? Cut to Zephyr 1. There's uh, more of that research, Pete, that the unseen Benson has kicked up. Old research from the Incans. The name Izzel. Iconography about a goddess with evil birds. Do you see what they did there, Pete? Characters in one part of the story asked a question which was then immediately chronologically answered by other characters in another scene for the benefit of we the audience by the way that Izel escaped from a realm of fear and darkness and she's been looking for the the alis yes the relics there i found it a little over the top that they're both in the two separate locations here earth and on the ship approaching earth using 
the very same terms for the monoliths and everything there. But okay. Um, Pete, surely you're not saying that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has an Earther bias. Uh, you know, just with like all the infinity stones that pass through Earth or Earth people or things of that sort, you know, it, it I hear what you're saying, but I feel like it's baked into the Uber narrative is, you know, uh, hashtag it's all connected if that hasn't been beat to, to to a pulp or, you know, it's a small world or things like that. Meanwhile, has Snowflake hurt Deke? Pete, it turns out that they're not hurting each other. They're actually, uh, in, in a sense, helping each other. Snow bunny! And less clothing, etc. cetera. Uh, but their canoodling is stopped because the truck stops. Sarge is irate that his hoosie isn't working. Pete, that's not a metaphor. It's the Shrike repellent thing. Can someone fix it? Yes, that they need Deke to attempt to fix it here. Cut to space, Matt, where, uh, hey, I found these funny things here, these space puffs that Fitz has never seen, but Simmons strangely has some awareness of. Toad would never leave them behind. Indeed. Uh, Simmons, she's had a puffy. Uh, They did not make her sick, though. Uh, She quickly recaps seeing Fitz in a monkey suit. Pete it's always important to get your Fitzmonkey mentions in. Hey, do you remember that time at New York Comic-Con that somebody <laughs> asked Ian the case sticker about more Fitzmonkey? Hey, that was me. And for this reference, I'd like to say you're welcome, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fandom. I'm sure I'm the sole source of it. I'm just kidding. Uh, but more importantly, they recap that there were three monoliths, but they were destroyed. I actually appreciated that recap, Pete, because I had kind of forgotten that what with the, no criticism here, but the constant maybe not concept, you know, the seasonal or (laughs) twice a season reboot that the show does, I had lost track of the fact that the monoliths were destroyed. Well, nobody's perfect, Matt. Um, He's being, she's being cagey here, uh, talking about her first husband. Nothing compares to the second time however matt and we get back to zephyr one where pax is in chains jacko is calm they need to turn the plane around uh scared of izel this demon here um that uh took care of chronica 2 um and suddenly the planet here having been destroyed What's the motive that Sarge has, or I shall I say, Izel has, is hate. Sarge's motive, love, no, it's hate too. I like how they are so clearly boiling things down to make us understand. Also, want to point out, we have another scene here, a little artistic flourish. Uh, the questions that Pax and Yo-Yo and Jacko are discussing then get answered by Sarge, who's not in the scene, but with the magic of editing. Um Sarge brandishes the magic sword with which he will plunge into the heart of Izel, killing the beast. Uh, that's actually kind of an excuse to have Quake out her powers. She does. Then all of a sudden, beep, beep, it's starting the end. We see the beginning of the end in which there are a bunch of 
pre-crystallized Shrike zombies that all stand into a circle and then they zombify into what appears to be a dark crystal portal to end the act. Act four begins with the building tower drawing power from the earth ten times its size here. Back to Fitzsimmons, who talk things. Pete Fitz, he says not to worry. No worries, Mon. He looks around. Wait, where's Izell? Where's anyone? Why are they landing with no landing coordinates? And why why is Boyle acting like a strange zombie? Well, they don't say that, but we see him act like a strange zombie. Everything's so strange. Back to the Zephyr One Bay. Pax is itchy, but Jacko says there's a plan uh, and he should calm down. But Pax isn't calm. He's ready to spill everything and uses that fact, not quite fact, but true fact, to get the guard close enough in order to choke him out. Pete, uh, that's a wrap on guard guy because he's deet. Yes. How can they get close enough to kill Izel? Well, Sarge is going to plow right into her tower and then plunge his sword into her heart. Meanwhile, his insurance policy is Deke. Uh, Jacko is now out of the containment pod here, uh, joking with Pax. Wait, you were going to split me over open? That's pretend. Um, but Sarge left uh, Pax out of the plan. He's not good with the secrets. He's not, but step one of this plan is to get control of the plane. Yo-Yo's back. She's not happy. They underestimate her. A few zip-zap-zoops later, Pax is chained. Pete, that's the her speed bursts, by the way. Pax is chained. Jacko has been pushed back in the box. It's a Jacko in the box? How am I just realizing <laughs> that now? Wow. And then, Pete, there's a new revelation about Sarge. He's going to wipe out everything on this planet Beep, beep, beep. Act break. With that, Deke is strapping snow down. Not anyhow. Uh, Sarge arrives uh, to Main Quake with guns raised. Wait, what kind of bomb is this? Fine, it's a big one. Yes, that's actually the main plan. Fine, the sword was a feint. Would he kill hundreds of thousands of people to stop her? Yes, and uh, goodbye, Snowflake. Sarge ducks out. Everyone else is locked in. Pete, to recap, the truck is on autopilot, auto drive, with a bomb that can't be found nor stopped. And it appears everything is so rickety that it is quake-proof. Oh, man. Danger, danger. Told you he had an insurance policy here. The swords aren't going to cut it. When uh, Izel lands, they're going to blow her up. It's set to explode on impact and uh, Snowflake is collateral damage. Up we go to Zephyr 1, and Max says he could stop the truck and sacrifice the three of their own. Uh, and Yo-Yo points out, or they could count on Deke. Uh, cut to the cab of the truck where Sarge is getting ready to jump off. He kind of ponders what's ahead, taking his sweet time pondering getting off though there is a big giant o on the top of the truck pete does that match anything in the story o is there the portal brings him uh, a cool way of cutting down but then up into the zephyr one yes really really great effect one that 
makes some kind of physics sense. You know, his falling through it and zipping back up and whatnot. Uh, unfortunately, Pete, it's a bad day to be a guard, the lone guard, the second lone guard in the bay, because now he's kaput as well. But uh, Sarge is just fine being on their plane. Hey, why didn't we think of that? Back in the truck, uh, Snow can't ID the bomb that she's never seen. Quake decides she's ready to quake and does just that. The cab is empty. And Deke wonders if he's found the bomb. He has. So Pete, it is seen largely, it's a scene largely in which Quake says, I am going to do a thing. I did it. And then Deke says, I think I found a thing. I did. Cut to Fitzsimmons here. They think the ship is landing. Wait, where's the crew, Matt? Zombified, they march along here. Deke then pulling out the now-seen lantern-looking device sparking. Zephyr 1 is on the move of the tower. What's the call, sir? We're standing by. Take us to the tag. Pete, the tag scene, we're back, uh, it appears, on Kitson City, Planet Kitson, uh, or at the very least, it's a reuse of the set. Uh, Enoch is back, woohoo. Pete, my heart is not broken that they cheated us with a fake exit last week because I bought it, now I'm happy this week. They took my cookie away, then gave it back, it's okay. He's going to vidcom Isaiah. It's been a long time. How are things on Planet Lightner? Are they progressing? Not really. They still cook with poop. But <laughs> it's time for the uh, the organization of anthropologists. Time to be less cautious and repair civilization. Pete, if that wasn't a juicy enough tag scene, there's another tag scene. It's a taggy tag scene, Matt. Malachi and an unnamed hunter. Uh, they're going Bulgad, after... I genuinely think, is the name that either the subtitles or dialogue <laughs> said. Ball Gad. I really genuinely think that's wow. what it is. Wow. Uh, they're going after Fitzsimmons here. They don't need their bodies. They have their brains. And Malachi's going in. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. We begin, of course, with Sarge. I completely appreciate that here we are at roughly the two-third point of the season and though i think we largely have a handle on sarge's motivations his uh mixture of good and bad things of that sort now is a great time to call that into question to have us wonder is he playing you know is he playing our agents we also have the delicious little thing of, I don't want to talk about my past. So that's kind of a story pin kept for another time and all adding to the, the great uh, villainy here of Sarge. Matt, with the 6.6 magnitude earthquake that hit uh, California on uh, July 4th, Clark Gregg tweeted out that uh, filming Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. quake hit the set here good to know that sarge and or colson makes season seven <laughs> yeah oh i don't know that we should be that surprised by it uh moving on in the list of villains here we have snow who pete let's hope that one villainous thing that she is not guilty of is <clears throat> preparing to go into space without a spacesuit because you know what make sure your adventures are safe adventures 
yes, you should always wrap up your spaceman before you send him into space. Um, and other than that, which neither you nor I is saying, Vilnius, she's she made a decision. We, you know, that that's that's okay. Um, you know, she doesn't kill anyone in this episode, Pete. So that's that's kind of a bonus there. Um, she's. I'm not a... sure that Brooke Williams doesn't want to kill someone in this episode. It just doesn't happen. I mean, she keeps talking about spilling Deke's beautiful soul all over the place. I don't think these are metaphors. <laughs> Agreed. Why don't we move on to Izel, who definitely does not want to, well, get with Deke, I know that much, um, kind of outed here as a baddie, at least a baddie as far as Sarge sees things, which I must confess I did not, I did not see coming. I just thought that she was, uh, I don't know, a, a story conduit to get Fitzsimmons home or whatever. I didn't think that she was going to be the Shrike the, the mother of strike dragons, if you will. I mean, that's essentially all we have at this point. Hey, here are these other things we're told that are bad and she's in possession in league with them. And I, I need some kind of motivation. I need some kind of connection. Yes. There are the, uh, pictograms of, you know, the Incans and here's the, uh, Shrike, iconography but help me have some kind of motivation behind this character well i think this is the episode where we get introduced to her as a villainous force and then we get to unravel her backstory i suppose now is as good a time as any to wonder as we oftentimes do with a limited number of episodes left for the season do we get that backstory this season you know how how much of the sarge mystery how much of the Izel mystery is actually set up for the seventh season that at, you know around this point is when they announced it yes i know there's the fan theory that everybody at san diego comic-con was told that there actually was a season seven renewal and but that every person kept it secret etc but in terms of the production actually being officially ordered by abc this is around the point where they would have known that for sure I mean, it, it's fun to play around with that. But I think each season being of its own to itself, the Izel Shrike threat here bringing forth the idea of, of monoliths uh, from previous seasons with this new concept of these uh, alien bats. Pete, let's move on to Pax who, you know, returns with his manic, nervous energy. I think that we can more than understand that Jacko and, to a certain degree, or certainly in different circumstances, Snow, uh, were in on the plan where Pax was not. Um, but always a fun presence. I kind of wish he didn't take out that one agent, but I guess that's the price you pay. Well, I mean, look at it that way. He's he's the one guy in Sarge's crew that takes a life of a of an agent in this episode. So definitely elevates him in terms of uh, evil. I must say, when it comes to Jacko, I really appreciate the shell game here of take him anywhere you want. He has the other end of the uh, of the transport circle thing and therefore, 
you know, that's that's Sarge's out, that's his insurance policy, etc. Uh, and he was always counting on Jacko, I guess, not being with him. So, you know, a fun bit of, uh, you know, kind of that Ocean's Eleven, what's in the bag, where's the bag, what's the real bag, you know, here, where's the real Jacko? The real Jacko was never meant to go on the mission all along. Yeah, and what's his biggest crime? Probably being a card-carrying member of Vape Nation. Pete, we conclude with Malachi, who I must confess, I really did not think that we would see again, you know, in this pared down season with presumably, you know, not the budget that there was two, three, four years ago. Although I think maybe the budget is up compared to last year uh, or they're just they have enough sets to be reusing where they've freed up money from that budget. I don't know. But I really thought, all right, this is the end of the Space Fitzsimmons saga they're on their way home at the beginning of this episode. I thought that that would be that. You know, the fact that we circle back to Malachi, color me surprised. We've gone over the name Malachi. If you can hear it and not think of Children of the Corn, you are a better person than I am. And uh, that he's got plans, designs here on Fitzsimmons' brains and his plan to go inside them with what we've seen the chronicoms do before this does not bode well for our agents of shield welcome to level seven time to analyze and theorize pete i know that somewhat controversially we did not love the fitzsimmons you know down the mental rabbit hole episode i think for narrative reasons certainly not because we don't love the characters but with Malachi mentioning the the you know brain scan brain and brain what is brain potential for upcoming stories here will we return to that headspace of Fitzsimmons uh for good or for ill I mean the way they leave us at the end of this episode really feels like that's bound to happen and if you've seen Spider-Man Far From Home at this point I think some interesting parallels can be drawn now, this episode posits that Izel is the big bad and Sarge has been mopping up behind her, getting there too late, sometimes you know, giving the final kill to the planet or, or things of that sort, kind of putting the planet out of its misery, that kind of thing, and that Sarge is the aggrieved party uh, looking for some sort of angry justice. This episode also posits that Izel is a peaceful you know, space hippie just looking to get her moonstones back. And Sarge is the one who's doing all these bad things. Pete, which is it? Which camp are you in? Is it one, the other, or both? Well, it's so funny that you bring that up because on Twitter, Matt, I asked the question, who do you trust more? Is it Sarge or is it Izel? And 65% of the audience trusts Sarge. Now that to me says there's a little bit of a, uh, of a red herring in the face of one Philip J. Colson. Well, certainly we, the audience are going to be predisposed to believe that hashtag Colson lives and hashtag, you know, Clark Gregg is here to save the day once again. Uh, that's not to disagree. I mean, we we do need at a certain point, we need Clark Gregg back 
playing Colson? I mean, isn't that kind of a vague assumption that by the end of season seven, if not the end of this season, you know, whatever, whatever, I think that we're setting up, you know, to say we're not going to talk about his past as opposed to, I don't know, dude looks like me, one in a million, chaos and coincidences are everywhere. That's a little clue that the story wants to dig into things somehow, some way, and to get us some kind of Colson. A truck as a bomb delivery device, Matt? Um, makes sense to me. I guess the only problem would have been this, Pete. Oh, no, look, the Shrike coordinates are sub-Saharan Africa, and we have a truck. Oh, boy. You know, versus, oh, it's a 17-hour drive, which I guess here's even the flip side, Pete. Oh, no, the strike point is Nevada. Oh, it will take us longer to drive there in our truck. I don't know. I guess here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. Does the, do, doth this truck have no turbo boost nor hover wheels or something? You know, and maybe they were trying to avoid it because it's easy enough to, you get the truck, you outfit the exterior, you find a quiet road, you get yourself a helicopter with a camera on it, you get cool shots. That's all well and good. And that's certainly a lot cheaper than doing more digital stuff. But the Sarge and company are limited by the fact that this thing, you know, does 65 on a freeway, not can zip to anywhere on the globe where the strike might attack. And if they've used it on other planets, how would they still have it? Uh, because of the portal. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a half an answer. Um, it's a science fiction answer. It's a techity tech tech answer. I mean, maybe it's not a great answer. I, I feel like it's answered. Now, if your next question is going to be, did they take into account the marshlands of Bleva 5, where a truck that heavy wouldn't go anywhere and wouldn't be able to move a mile, uh, and therefore they that could have story implications? Eh, I think they would say, don't worry about it too much. we got a cool truck. Maybe the coolest truck since, the, uh, since Goliath from Knight Rider. I don't know. <laughs> um, and kind of go with it. The monoliths or dialas, as they are known here, and the echoes throughout human history of apocalyptic descriptions. So it's cyclical, it would seem. It is. I'm generally not a huge fan of these kind of, you know, secret history stories. It's one thing to sit and say, oh man, Hydra was a secret organization inside S.H.I.E.L.D. itself, an insular and uh, secure organization. And that was the case for the last 60 years or so. Okay, fine. I know S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple seasons ago, you know, went back to the dawn of time and, you know, Cree blood and things of that sort. I was less thrilled with that. But fine, you want to do that once in your series. Great. Now we're going back again and saying that uh, Izel, you know, has been on Earth or Earth myth. I mean, certainly this isn't a myth with this specific name. It's not some weird coincidence of, you know, destroyer of worlds that could be Satan or could be Thanos or could be, you know, a Greek myth thing. So I'm not thrilled about this turn of events, but, you know, okay, that's fine. Obviously, this all comes to a head in the remaining five episodes. The Dialas, now the concept of 
the framework, bringing in Fitzsimmons' brains yet again. Could the Dialas help to get them out of there? Well, that's a great question, Pete. And I think it comes down to this. The story reminded us that the monoliths, Pete, I will use the shield term, not the native term. I'm probably poorly cultured for that. Uh, the episode reminds us that the monoliths are destroyed. Could there be more? Could we have a time thing? Could it be both? Um, I suppose both are options. And the fact, too, that we've kind of, the story has circled back to these monoliths as as items of interest, as opposed to it could be anything. It could be any MacGuffin. It could be any whatever. The fact that it's something familiar to me suggests that you're onto something and that we might see them return. Let's check the wire. Pete, the traditional post-Twitter poll, it had an interesting result here, all right? To rate this episode, 5% of voters gave it one-star Baby Shrike. Now, this next thing, Pete, has, to my knowledge, never happened with a Twitter poll that we've done for a show that we podcast. 0% said two stars, She Monster. Then 19% said three stars, Snow Bunny. And 76% said four stars, Blast Zone. So some healthy numbers there, a couple of tweets uh, to follow that up, one from our pal Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Polo1983, definitely continuing the momentum, gets better each week, and uh, a tweet from Disney SPN fan MCU and Winchester's always, that's at Disney underscore SPN underscore fan, who says, I don't know how to wait a week to find out what happens. Season six is amazing. So Pete, Disney SPN fan definitely um hooked into what we're seeing here a breakneck pace to this episode part one of two interesting to see a uh a two-parter middle of a season here they're, they're they're taking the rule book pete they're ripping it up they're they're going full speed they're doing whatever the story leads them to do matt Two Apple podcasts here where we have a pair of reviews that are now entered into our drawing, which will be announced on Sunday with our Spider-Man Far From Home podcast. The first left by P. Willie. The headline is terrible. One star. And it reads, I have listened to the seven episodes of this season and it has been painful. Matt is especially horrible. Pete is almost passable. I should add here, Matt, I am not P. Willie. Do not let the, the <laughs> P that my name begins with. And the fact that my brother's name is William. <laughs> is your uh, brother behind this review? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he does say, Pete, not my brother, the, the writer, says Pete is almost passable. Take that, uh, especially horrible, Matt. <laughs> uh, they are not remotely funny, even though they fancy themselves comedians. In general, the hosts are incredibly pretentious, and it doesn't seem like they even like the show. Pete that review it did ding a little but somebody on twitter asked you know did this hurt and they, they asked genuinely uh they were saying you know nobody likes criticism and 
the answer is not really. This review did not hurt. We do this for fun. We do this for a love of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in mostly good times. Occasionally, there are some episodes that are not as great as the others. What really genuinely did touch my heart was not pain. It's the fact that there was an outpouring of support from our listeners, from the people who like what we do, the people who have been with us whether it's more recently or not. Pete, there were some people, to be honest, we got some tweets, some messages from people. It was not some of the familiars who were in touch often. It was kind of people where I, I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize the name as much. There was fan love that came as a result of this review. And that fan love, that's what Fantastic Geek is all about. And for the record, I love this show. This is our mothership in addition to the mothership of the Marvel Cinematic uh, universe TV and so I would guess that maybe when they listened uh, when P. Willie listened to the seven episodes this season and I think you'd have a hard time comparing this season to other seasons it's so very different um, maybe wasn't paying attention I'll just add kind of anecdotally, you know, we even had gotten emails or an email, you know, I think I know who did this, et cetera. It, it really, it doesn't need to go there. It's really not worth that. We think we know who did it too, but you know what? It really genuinely is all good. Our fan support showed us why we get in front of the mics each and every week. And you know what? That fan support, I would not trade it for the world. Speaking of fan support, Matt, a review left by DMP85 headlined, Must Listen, Five Stars. I listened to every commentary since the beginning to get more details out of one of my favorite shows. Well, you know what, Pete? I'll, I'll admit, I'll take five stars over one star any day. Uh, and it's I a like difference it. of four stars. <laughs> it is. It is. It's quantitatively... More. Is that funny enough, P. Willie? <laughs> um, but interesting word usage here from DMP commentary. That is kind of what we try and provide here. Not just not just the recap, although obviously, you know, the recap segment is a big part of what we do, but it is that dialogue about uh how the episode was made. Not that we know the ins and outs, but you know, hey, was was budget a factor? Hey, look, we're back at this location, it's a set reuse, whatever it is. Um, and hey, they're picking up on a thread I'd forgotten about, about the destruction of the monoliths. And it is that, it's that conversation. And as I say, oftentimes to you off mic, Pete, uh, maybe I don't know how often I've said it on mic. We, we do all these podcasts. Sometimes this is a bit of a blur, but I really, really genuinely believe this is a, this is a three person podcast. There's you and me, Pete, who talk, and then there's you, the listener, and yes, there's more than one, but there's that third person, which is you listening right now, where you're part of the conversation too. Maybe you don't have a microphone to talk back into right at the second. Maybe you're not going to, you know, email us because right now you're driving, but it really is that conversation where it's Matt and Pete and the audience having this dialogue, having this commentary about, about these episodes, about the MCU and beyond. And, you know, comedy versus dour. I mean, listen, nobody here is pretending though pretentious we may be uh that this is any kind of high comedy but you know keep it light keep it moving on this thing we do as opposed to so super serious well i will say this pete and i'll say it one more time because i'm looking at the clock i know that this is going to be up 
you know, Friday night before 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, both of these people genuinely, you, I, you write out, you write out each review, you not each review, each reviewer name, you write out on your piece of paper. Whenever we do one of these, uh, one of these giveaways, it's always above board. Um, we might joke a little bit about it being in the drum or whatever. You know, I know you have a you have a baseball cap or whatever that you stick it in. But both of these people uh, name uh, names in the running for uh, for for winning that prize. Which Pete remind people what that prize is because it's a, it's a good one. Yes, we will be announcing during our Spider Man Far From Home podcast on Sunday the winner of a Marvel movie. Uh, three-pack digital download of Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Captain Marvel. So you still have time. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts, previously known as iTunes. Any one of our 18 podcast feeds, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek, Jessica Jones, Star Trek Picard, on and on it goes. You could get up to 18 entries in this one drawing. Uh, just make sure you give us a shout so that we know you left one. And I'll just mention, Pete, the only downside to this type of uh, contest sometimes is that we've had longtime listeners who, you know, if they left their shield review in season one, oh man, now I'm not in the running. No, no, <laughs> certainly not with the crazy thing that we've done lately, which is to add three more podcast feeds, you know, on pause as they might be between Watchmen, between uh, Picard, between the Mandalorian and, you know, so old friends, new friends alike, you know, take a listen, give a review. And uh, I'm excited to see who wins those digital copies of those movies. Let them know what old Fantastic Geek is all about. And old Fantastic Geek, Pete, might sometimes be the uh, rusty space bucket coming in for re-entry. But our crew, it's not a bunch of Shrike zombies, Pete. It's the people who go to patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek and help keep this bucket of bolts flying along from show to show to show your support keeps us sustainable and prevents matt from turning to the space puffy hallucinogens want to avoid the space puffies at all costs pete lots of perks there on patreon.com slash fantastic geek but the best one it's talking to you on twitter and that's free how can people do so you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,500. -E -E followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, listeners, don't forget Sunday up on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, because that gets all the MCU stuff, uh, will be our review and your thoughts, dear listeners, on Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, and then, you know what? We got some Jessica Jones dropping that day, too, continuing the Sunday and Wednesday pattern there. Before you know it, it'll be next Friday, and we'll be on to the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, as I believe I said at the top, also have some Star Wars in the mix in the far 
far off horizon, next week, 10 days, etc. But with that, Pete, I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I'd be happy with you anywhere, but I am sick of space. Thank you.